So when you factor all that in, the planning is, well, geez, I don't have a long-term window. I can plan. I can tell you, you know, where, where we think we are right now. This is what we know because this is good right now. Doesn't mean it's not going to change in two, three years. So to the things that you can take advantage of, take advantage of them now. From Ray & Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. We are nearing the end of the year, which means tax prep is once again on the agenda. As you prepare to plan and think about filing your 2019 tax returns, there are several considerations to keep top of mind. Today's guest is going to point us in the right direction. Chris Axine, a principal and federal tax expert extraordinaire with Ray, and one of our regulars here in Unsuitable, is here to talk about what you can do to become better prepared for the upcoming tax season. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Doug. Glad to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. So, um, talking about preparedness. I was thinking about this with my my one daughter who's still at home this morning. I I, I used my famous line on her. Don't make your lack of planning my crisis. Is is that uh, is that a fair assessment of Fantastic. what you see? And and I absolutely I I was uh, living that uh, this morning myself with uh, with a client that uh, came in and uh, you know we were living reliving what happened uh, during during the uh, the second busy season and mm-hmm. uh, being a perennial procrastinator that was tough for me to get out. Yeah, in terms of waiting to the last minute to bring their stuff for last year before we can even start the stage to talk about how we're going to plan for this year. And of course, it's November. Right. And there's only one month left in the year. <laughs> and right, we're still dealing with the, the prior year, right? That's right. And you're asking for information and you get the old response. <laughs> well, you get the, I know, I know I owe you stuff and I'm sorry, I'm such a bad person, but you know, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. <laughs> you know, or is it too late? Oh, is it too late? Yeah. Like secretly, maybe that's what they were hoping well, for. Right? Yeah, maybe they get a free pass. If oh, it's too late, it will just skip this one and move on to the next one. Use last year's uh, numbers yeah. and, and estimate, right? Well, you, that is an option. We, it's a kind of a last resort, but but uh, yeah, sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. So if, I, if I'm thinking about preparing for, for year end as we're, we're getting close to the end of 19, what you know, with, with the Tax Cut and Jobs Act that came into play, that that threw a, a lot of uh, curveballs into the. That's right. Thing, so. It was you know tax reform, is, you know, was what we call that as as that's what it was labeled as, and uh, and and there were I'm not sure it touched so many different areas of the tax code. I don't know that it left any stone unturned, <laughs> so to speak, uh, which is you know, accountants uh, full. Uh, Employment Act, right? Is another another uh, like phrase that. for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's just so much going on, and in, in different aspects um, of the tax code that impact individuals and uh, whether they're employees mm-hmm. in their own personal returns or uh, individuals that are, um, you know, that are business owners that are running a business, right? Um, and in aspects of the uh, of the tax reform act that, that impact them. And, and part of what happens with that too is, is in 2018 was the first year that the tax reform act, uh, applied to. Sure. 
And the whole industry, uh, CPAs, professionals, and the IRS, quite frankly, were a lot of it was was guessing on how this stuff was supposed to be implemented. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the year, the IRS issued some guidance in some areas to help, but there were still lots of um, questions that were unanswered about how ba- how appropriately to report some of these things. Sure. And and we're still there. We're still waiting on guidance. And that's a lot of how this works is it'll take several years to to work out exactly what we have. <laughs> still writing the rules right? as we go. We got to so. pass the bill first to know what's in it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So we passed it. Now we got to live with it for three, four years to figure out how to how to comply. Yeah. So if, so if I'm a business owner, what are what are some of the, the, the key? I mean, I know the qualified business income deduction. How does that I mean, there's so many different aspects to that. What do I need to be thinking about? Though, well, right. So, so um, we also call that the 199 Cap A. So I'm a code head and I, I live in that world. So that's what that means to me. Um, and what that is, is that's the, um, uh, we get a reduction in the tax rate um, on pass-through income from a business. Um, if you meet the criteria and you know, what, what counts in, in all the nuances of, of a phase out and the benefit gets reduced if you make too much. And right. we're, you know, some of those things are still being worked out um, and, and refined, I suppose, if you will. But, you know, part of the planning for that is understanding um, one of the big parts of it is, is the owner um, gets, it compensates themselves for their work sure. in the business and, and then, you know, net profit after that. Right. Well, the compensation from the business is not eligible for this benefit mm. in reduction in the tax rate. So right. they're going to pay at the top tax rate if, at 37% if that's what bracket they're in versus business income that would be taxed at a top rate of 29.6% Gotcha. with, with that 20% benefit baked into it. Right. Uh, so planning around, well, what's the, is there the ability to you know, work around to maximize um, the overall tax rate, factoring in sure. compensation and net profits from the business. And, you know, there's a calculus to that to figure out, you know, you can maximize your overall benefit by appropriately adjusting comp within, right. within the range of still what's being reasonable mm-hmm. to yourself and, and to others that are employed in the business. So right. that that's one of the big things. But in order to first be able to do, have those kind of conversations, you know, it's helpful. What happened in the past can be helpful sure. for what we do in the future. And if we've got a client that waited 10 and a half months to <laughs> right. file their prior year tax return, that, that doesn't help us help them right. uh, in terms of trying to save tax in the future. Because the key is you want to sit down, obviously, prior to year end and do some planning, understand what the business's outlook is for the year. That's and, right. And try to figure out what's optimal. Yeah. And and certainly for those clients that that don't procrastinate, you have those conversations. Um, and because there's there's valid reasons why tax returns get filed in personal returns in September and maybe early October, because you're waiting for information from outside third parties is just not available. Right. And and when it and that happens and that that's life and you, that's that's easy to deal with. And and because it's it's easy to deal with because you're meeting with those clients outside of that context during mm-hmm. the year, talking about how the current year is going, and you're you're managing with book income, which is not taxable income. Right. Um, there can be differences there, but you've got a at least a, a starting point to have that conversation 
you know, in June and in, in July, August, et cetera, and instead of waiting until November. Yeah, some idea at least is better than none. <laughs> right. And, and, right. And for no other reason, because you still have five, six months of, of which to do something. Right. Right. As, as opposed to less than that. Well, and you you brought up an interesting perspective about the the uh, extension of returns. I've heard a lot of noise about you know not only has it impacted uh, individuals, but obviously a lot of K ones and things like that are getting delayed. So that's just kind of pushing through the system and causing further delays. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And and historically, it's it had been a problem because the due date for Certain types of returns happen, extended due date happened to be the same due date ultimately for individuals, 1015. And you can imagine if, if you were getting the K1 on 1015 right. and your personal return is due on 1015, that's not a lot of turnaround time. <laughs> and then so that causes problems for clients. It caused problems for us as preparers and lots of stress and right. more sleepless nights working. Uh, and so, fortunately, uh, the IRS implemented some changes to due dates. It's been in place now for probably three or four years at least, where they moved up by 30 days the due date of all pass-through type returns like partnerships and S-corps. Sure. And so, the, the big ones like hedge funds and, and alternative type investments that are typically structured as, as partnerships mm-hmm. that would issue K-1 documents, which, you know, for those that don't know, similar to like a a 1099 or a W-2, they're going to give you, the owner, the investor, something that you then need to give to your accountant because it's going to have income on it, deductions, et cetera, that is needed in order to complete your return. And so the good news in that respect there is is the the due date for those returns now is is September 15th extended. So we at least have 30 days. That, however, doesn't address those clients that maybe are new to that type of investment that sure. previously never had to extend their tax return. Right. And and we're going to them in busy season saying, okay, tell me what you have. Well, I have this new investment. And as you un- learn more about it, oh, it's going to issue a K-1 to you. When is that going to be issued? Well, um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's check with your broker. <laughs> oh, that trip, you know, not till minimum till at least till August. Well, we got to extend your return now. Right. Why is that? Yeah, we're not going to have the information. Right. And and some of those, you know, even though you may be a small investor, some of those can can still kick off uh, a material amount of income that right. would, you know, that causes a tax that we need to wait and we need to extend. And and for some clients that causes them the heartburn because they've never done that before. And they're worried that extending return is an automatic red flag for an audit, right. which is not true. Right. Uh, as we've just talked about, there's perfectly reasonable explanation and in, in circumstances of why you have to amend. Just the, the information isn't there. Right. And so it doesn't lead to audits in and of itself. Um, one thing that uh, for the audience to, that I constantly have to remind clients about though, is when you extend the filing date of your personal tax return, that does not extend the date to pay. Right. Right. So there is no extension of, of time to pay. So what that means then is we have to do basically a calculation. An estimate, right? To figure out what do we think we're going to owe and pay that in in April. Yes. So that when we file our tax return in October, that we either have a small refund, you know, or maybe we owe a, a small amount of money. But the IRS gets real upset if we file a return and, and um, there's a bunch of money owed. So they're going to charge interest and penalty on that. Yeah. And speaking of of the IRS, have you seen 
much change in enforcement um, attitude or or diligence uh, since the the uh, tax reform act was passed. It's too soon to tell on that okay. because the the audience uh, the uh, IRS does not audit in real time. Mm-hmm. So the 2018 tax returns were the very first year that tax reform would apply to. And so the reality on that is um, some of those clients just filed their 2018 returns. Okay. So the IRS is not going to audit them now for, if it, if it comes up on audit, it's going to be probably two years. Yeah. So we're going to get into, as we get into 2020, mm-hmm. um, probably latter half of 2020 and maybe into 2021, where we're going to see where is the IRS focused on with regard to tax reform. Gotcha. And, and auditing and certain areas we suspect and we may have read about that that the IRS has said yeah we're cons- you know we're interested in making sure taxpayers are complying mm-hmm. 199 cap a the business deduction is one of them yes because there's opportunity for gaming as we for say. gaming the system <laughs> thank you right uh, and and so I expect uh, enforcement around that to, to pick up as well. Uh, depending on um, what type of business entity you are, if you're still a C-Corp, yep. because the tax rates on C-Corps as a part of tax reform came down, yes, it's now a flat rate of 21%. Uh, it's actually now lower than um, the individual tax rate. Yep. And so there, because of that, there may be some game playing to try to keep profits within a C-Corp. And, and so I expect some old and cold tax rules to come back into favor mm-hmm. in terms of focus of IRS on audits. And, and Interesting. Yeah. So accumulated earnings tax is, uh, is one of the, it's been around forever. Haven't heard much about that in a while. Well, you haven't because when tax C-corp rates were closer to individual rates, there was really no reason yeah. to play the game and, and, uh, and keep money in a C-corp. But now there might be, yeah, and and so I expect to see some increased enforcement activity in that regard in too. That regard. So if if I'm a, a business owner beyond obviously sitting down with a, a professional like yourself prior to year end and walking through some of these issues, what should I be thinking about on my own in terms of preparing and and planning? What are the things that I can do prior to sitting down with you that that would help in this process? Well. It, First and foremost, it's understanding the role the CPA has, whether that's somebody internally Mm -hmm. that they're willing to, you know, share information with um, or their external accountant. You know, we're here for a reason. We have a role to play. We can help when you, when they, when you give us the time to help you. Right. You know, as we say, it's, it's, uh, I'm more effective when I'm a planner versus being a fixer (laughs) after the fact. So understanding that, having that mindset of of the CPA is your friend, yes. is on your team to help, right? Give them the opportunity to help. You know, be willing to meet with them. Yeah. You know, when they call and say, "Hey, it's, you know, it's been a couple months, or it's quarter, you know, yeah, quarter just ended. Let, let's let's get together, and you know, you can clue me in on what's going on in your world. Right. Be open and honest and willing um, to have those conversations. Right. Uh, about how the business is going, how, you know, in areas where it's maybe not going as well as as they'd hoped it would be. Sure. Regardless of whether that's something that we may be able to help with directly, we obviously uh, most of the time have a large network of other professionals that, um, you know, may be able to help. 
And and the other thing I, I see too, there's so much uh, going on in terms of transactions with businesses, some type of event, whether it's, uh, you know, sale to insiders, family transition, uh, ESOP or, or third party sale, anything like that, is that to your point, and, and we're dealing with this now, where we have a client that went through a transaction and, and we weren't included in the planning process. So you're fixing. And yeah. then that, that to me is a, a big no-no as well. Well, you're going to leave dollars on the table potentially. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe not get the the best deal um, that you could have. Right. Uh, and I see that all the time. I, I've, in the course of my career, I've probably been involved in, let's say, 100 M&A transactions, most of which on the, on the seller side of uh, the table. And and I've seen, I hate to call them tricks, but, uh, but I've seen all kinds of things sure. in, in LOIs and sale documents and and that maybe don't necessarily line up with conversations that the buyer and the seller may have had. Right. And, you know, this, even when they are coming to me, the, the seller will, oh, yeah, this is the conversation I had with buyer. And, and they said, absolutely, you're going to sell your stock. Yep. And, and, okay, well, I'm a skeptic. Prove it to me. All right. Show me the document. Show me the fine print in the document. And then I say, aha, uh-huh, look at this. This is not... You know, technically, it's a it's a stock sale from a legal perspective, but it's it's an asset sale from a tax perspective, and that has That's potentially happened. different yeah. consequences for you as the seller. Right. So when you know all those things up front, while you're still in diligence and, and negotiating the deal, there's obviously a better opportunity to be able to change the outcome. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's huge because again, you know, sometimes you get folks that are focused on, they, they see that, that top line dollar number that they think the transaction value is going to be, you know, here's what it's going to be. But as you suggested, that's not really what they realize. And, and I hate to, again, sound biased, but I absolutely agree with you. They see a number and they fall in love with the number and they start spending it. And I think the buyer buyers understand that. Sure. And, and maybe sometimes the the unscrupulous ones take advantage of that. Right. Yeah, for sure. So um, looking ahead into 2020, uh, obviously an election year, and we, we certainly don't want to get into politics and all that, but what what changes, if any, do you see coming or, or areas of emphasis if, if you have anything that, that sticks out? Well, you know, for quite frankly, for the last 15 years or more, we've had uncertainty in the tax code in mm-hmm. terms of long-term crystal ball and, and how cloudy or um, transparent it is. And, and while the Tax Reform Act... Um, we we have some certainties with regard to time periods and what was passed. All the individual stuff was temporary, mm-hmm. and right now is set to expire at, after the end of 2025. Well, obviously, we're going to have you know more than one election between now and sure. then, and tax reform and and tax laws only as good as the next Congress that comes in and changes it. <laughs> right. So when you factor all that in, the planning is well, geez, I don't have a long-term window. Right. I can plan. I can tell you, you know, where, where we think we are right now. This is what we know because mm-hmm. this is good right now. Doesn't mean it's not going to change in two, three years. Right. So to the things that you can take advantage of, take advantage of them now. Yeah. Uh, again, business income deduction, trying to maximize that as much as you can. You know, their, their M&A is still hot. Yep. Uh, lots of dollars looking for deals. Yeah. Um, and 
if you're on the seller side, uh, you know, work with professionals and try to maximize your your deal. And and easy for me to say, be willing to walk away if it's not if it's not right. Yeah. Um, the worst, obviously, the worst place to be is is where you see a number, you fall in love with it, and now you you can't walk away, and the buyer has you, and now you're just going to do whatever deal they want to do. Yeah, you get you get sucked into that deal, and yeah. and it becomes emotional, right? Right, rather than yeah, when when you know when you have the chips and and you don't have to sell, right? You obviously you you're the one holding the cards, and you can you can then be in a better place to negotiate. Now, you, you talked a little bit about um, these so-called sunset provisions because of the way the, the act was passed. Now, now, was that due to federal budget restrictions or what was? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So, the whole sauce, you know, the, the process of how the sausage gets made is, is it's all about a 10-year scoring and how it impacts mm-hmm. the deficit, et cetera. And, and because... Um, at the time, we needed a simple majority, um, the Republicans in the Senate, to ultimately pass, you know, uh, a measure of the bill um, at whatever, 51%. Right. The, the method to do that required that the overall impact on um, the finances be n- neutral after 10 years. And so they look at the 10-year period. Sure. And so that's why what was important to them so you can look at the the permanent stuff mm-hmm. so stuff that as of right now is permanent that all on the corporate side right so in and i think the idea behind that was well we're trying to incentivize business we want to you know manufacturing bring that back to the, U- the united states we want to incentivize manufacturers that are still here been here and so all that stuff uh on the corporate side is is permanent yeah in order to ultimately make the equation balance at the end, most of the or all of the of the individual side of the tax reform is temporary, and that includes the big estate and, and gift tax stuff too. Okay, okay. Yeah. So even though, and and to be fair, that's proven to be a fallacy because the the obviously the deficit has ballooned astronomically. So will that does that in your mind put some of those changes in more jeopardy, perhaps, or, or too soon to tell? Really, I, I it's I think it's too soon to tell. That said, as what we what we have seen from the past, when you look at things like bonus depreciation, mm-hmm. you know we, we get used to for lack of a better way to say, we get used to the handouts. Right. And so when when they are on the verge of going away, that causes people lots of angst. Yeah, absolutely. Bonus depreciation came out of 9-11. Right. Uh, in an attempt to spur the economy and and um, expensing and of, of fixed asset purchases. Yeah. And it's gone through various iterations and, and it was in fact scheduled to be phased out um, prior to this tax reform uh, act. And they brought it back. Yeah, just as an example. So, notwithstanding that some of those things are 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 temporary in nature, if you know to the extent that they provide a a benefit to individuals, they're going to get used to getting it. Sure. An example that is the higher child tax credit. Right. And and um, uh, two thousand dollars per child under seventeen, and and the big part of that is increasing the. Um, the AGI limit on when that benefit phases out. Gotcha. Previously, most uh, if you earn more than $100,000 a year, you weren't going to get child tax credit. Mm-hmm. Now you can earn up to $400,000 a year and still get 
$2,000 per child. Yeah. So there may be some calls as, as we get to 2025, if nothing else happens in the meantime to say, oh, this thing is about to expire. Well, maybe we don't want that. So maybe yeah. we get, we got to get together and figure out how to keep it going. <laughs> Good luck with that. Well, right? Yeah, right. As you said, as you told me eloquently though, once before you said, if we have another one of these tax reforms, you said, you said I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm out not, the door. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I just... Yeah, you know, I was a, I was not in professional practice for the '86 Tax Act. I'll I'll say it that way. Uh, so I missed that one. I've gone through this one. I'm not going through another one. <laughs> Can't. I don't blame you. That's awesome. It's just too much. It's just too much to to try to you know keep up with. Yeah, it is. It's it is phenomenal that the amount of information that you have to have to uh, ingest. Right. But uh, well, thanks, Chris. I, I appreciate you uh, your insight. And I guess the key message, key takeaway here is plan. Again, don't make your lack of planning our crisis. Right? That's right. And 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 your CPA is your friend. Yes. You know, it's it's don't look at it like you're going to the dentist. We're here to help. Right. Absolutely. So that's great stuff. So if you want to hear more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts, including YouTube. And while you're there, please leave us a review. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 